How to transform your passion into a successful startup. Welcome to Lead, an inspiring podcast that focuses on the creative spirit inside us all. Jocelyn Bellows interviews accomplished entrepreneurs about overcoming obstacles and achieving greatness. Join us today and lead into a fulfilling and successful life. Everybody, this is Jocelyn. Welcome to another edition of The Leap. Today, my guest is Lindy Zimmer, and Lindy is actually a public artist, an art advocate, and art educator. So, on that, Lindy, thank you so much for being on the show today, and welcome. Thanks for having me, Jocelyn. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I really what I want to start with is, can you tell us a little bit about what those titles mean to you, and how you how you just determined that those were the encompassing words to describe who you are. Yeah, of course. Um, I consider myself a public artist um, because everything that I, the largest stuff that I do is public murals. And I'm a huge supporter of art being for people to access, for communities to access. And that means it being in the public and not necessarily in a gallery or somewhere where people would have to Um, go inside and kind of seek it out they would be able to stumble upon it more so it's more accessible to more people so as far as public art goes whether that be you know just painting a mural for a city painting a mural for a business or just painting on somebody's wall but it's in a public um public space um which is what the public art comes into and i mostly paint murals large-scale murals um that's my bread and butter. And then as far as art advocate, um, something that I've been passionate about for a really long time. Um, I went to school in Fort Collins and then I um, worked at the Downtown Artery, which is a gallery, studio space, music venue, arts ecosystem up there. And um, really our entire mission was to support emerging artists. And what that means is by being an art advocate is talking about art, talking about how much artists should make, talking about how it needs to be supported by local governments, by, you know, individuals that, you know, just like being a doctor, um, being an artist is just as worthy and helping artists realize that what they have and what they're doing is important and that it should get out there. Um, And then last is being an educator. Um, I went to school for art education and I taught for a couple years and I do workshops and then small things here and there still and would love to actually do more education now that I'm kind of settled in Denver. But yeah, education, the, the way in which we can make the world a better place is through education. And especially when it comes to the arts, it's has so many valuable, um, things to contribute other than just making things beautiful. Yeah. I want to start with one something that struck me right away is you talked about public making art public. Why is that so important to you versus being in a gallery? Um and not to not to bash galleries in any way, but it's it's a very um it's a very um, inaccessible mode of viewing. It's it tends to be, you know, in these places that are not accessible to, you know, all different types of people. And also, even even then, if you're not educated with a 
good art education background, art is really intimidating. You know, you think of like your traditional like modern art and some conceptual art and it's really hard for people to unpack and for people to understand. And so the idea of going into a gallery and or maybe, you know, even a like public art museum, it's it doesn't make sense to a lot of people because they don't necessarily have the education to back that up because I mean, actually, our, our education program, like here in Colorado especially, is pretty abysmal. And so having something where people can interact with something beautiful and possibly meaningful that's just outside on the street and also public art to me, the reason why I like painting murals is I like, you know, I don't necessarily want to paint a gorgeous brick wall with a mural. I'd much rather paint something that's like a forgotten, dilapidated area that like needs sprucing up because then it reinvigorates that space. That's why like alleyways or like, you know, trash cans or things that are like already kind of hurting for some like love. That's why I like putting art on those things. Um, and everyone can walk by it, you know, the street's public, everyone can be there, everyone can interact with it. And especially when there's a lot of, you know, conversation between the artist and the community that the the art is going into, then that's when it becomes really powerful. You had mentioned that you started art education as as an instructor, as a teacher. Yeah. How then did you transition from that to you know, making a career and creating your own business out of public art and your murals and your drawings and and everything else. So um, I taught in um, Montrose in Colorado on the Western Slope. And I actually had this, I did The Artist's Way, which is by Julie Cameron. And if you haven't heard of it, look it up. It's super powerful. And it's a 12-week recovery program for creatives. Anyways, so I did that, and then during that time, I was getting ready to move back to Fort Collins with my then-partner, and I was drawing in one of my classes. It was like my after-school program that I ran, and one of my kids, he was like, Miss Lindy, you're such a good artist. Like, why don't you, like, sell your work, or why don't you, you know, like, do something with it? And I was like, you know, I'm just scared. (laughs) And, um... He's like, well, you shouldn't be. You're so good. And, you know, this is coming from, like, a seven-year-old. <laughs> and so, <mirror>. Yeah. <laughs> you saw something in you that you, you weren't able to see for yourself. Yeah. And I just, I really didn't have the confidence at that point. And that was, you know, this is, like, seven years ago now. Um, and so I kind of, so once I left teaching um, in Montrose at the school I was working at, I kind of really made it a point to be like, all right, I want to, A, I don't think I can be the best art educator that I want to be without having been an artist. You know, I think that it really devalues and nothing against, you know, other art teachers or, you know, there's that kind of that saying of like, you know, if you can't do, then teach. And that's, I think, really dismissive to teaching um, especially the different subjects, because not you can be an extremely talented in whatever you're teaching, and then not have maybe done it professionally in a full capacity or whatever. But anyways, I decided I would like to be an artist in order to get a full breadth of understanding what it meant to you know 
sell art, to run a business, to be able to do these like tactile, important things that I didn't learn in college, which I have a lot of words to say about all art school. Like I can really go down a long list of how it's a disservice. (laughs) I mean, we are paying all this money, like, and we don't get any tangible skills. It's like you get a bunch of concepts and like how to apply concepts And then it's like you're left holding a bag of nothing, really, at the end of it. I feel really grateful because I got an art education degree, not just a BFA. Um, Like, a lot of people I know who got BFAs who aren't even making art now, you know? Which is really sad. And also being told by my professors, like, nobody actually uses their art degrees. I'm like, um, watch me? (laughs) Like... I didn't pay I didn't pay all this money just to like get a certificate that I'm not going to use. And um it's a disservice that we put people through school and then they don't necessarily come out on the other side with a tangible skill of how to properly market themselves. And if they want to, like there's so much like in ac- academia that is it poo-poos the idea of selling or it's like oh no, like you have to be above this whole like market and you have to just make, you know, and you have to just make really brilliant ideas that are just, uh, just sit there and then you can, maybe a gallery will just like waltz up to you because you're so brilliant. And it's like, um, cool, but I would actually like to make art and not work some menial, terrible job. <laughs> so I don't know all that ranting. <laughs> um, Yeah, I basically decided to try to pursue art as much as I could. And I was in Fort Collins and painted a couple murals and was kind of got the taste in my mouth. I painted murals in high school, so it was something I had already done. But I got a taste in my mouth of like, wow, I can make money at this and it's really fun and I can make my own schedule and it's kind of what I want to be doing. And then... I worked a bunch of odd jobs because I still didn't have confidence. And then I got my job full-time at the Downtown Artery, which was me as the art director for this startup. And then I worked there for two and a half years. And while I worked there, I helped facilitate a wonderful arts ecosystem. It was extremely amazing. It still is very amazing. If you're ever in Fort Collins, go to the Downtown Artery. Um... And it helped foster me as an artist as well, because I got a studio there, and I painted a bunch of murals there. I painted the whole building, like, just every corner I could. And then last year, I kind of had this moment where I was sick of being in Fort Collins, and I wanted to leave. And I said, okay, I don't want to be in Fort Collins when I'm 30 years old. I just don't. I've been in Fort Collins on and off for 10 years now, and it's not where I want to be. It's a great place. I don't want to be here anymore. And so I set to leave, and so I traveled around for seven months in my Geo Metro, and I painted murals all throughout the United States, and then I went to Mexico and Thailand, and it was really great. I was by myself. I grew a lot of self-confidence, and then kind of halfway through my trip, um, I was getting contacted by Meow Wolf about participating in the Denver Meow Wolf. And I was, um, I was like, okay, cool. This is sweet. I mean, I guess maybe Denver's where I'm going to land. And it felt kind of sad because I was thinking about moving out of Colorado, 
But now that I'm here in Denver, it's been really amazing because I already have a community. Denver, you know, I grew up in Boulder and I was in Fort Collins. And so Denver is not that far away for me. So instead of just starting square one and say LA, where I don't know more than two people, I have a already huge network of people that I can kind of tap into, which is my suggestion to anybody is like, if you're trying to start your career, all of your friends and your family are like the best place to start with because they support you and love you already. <laughs> and they're going to believe in you no matter what. And then you can bring in, you know, the outside world. <laughs> um, I want to take a moment and talk a little bit about community because we, you and I were chatting a little bit about that yeah. before we went live. Yeah. Um, and I want to start really with your home. Yeah. Um, you, your roommates. And the people that you surround yourself with and how that is molding your creative endeavors. Um, so where I live currently, I live with three other people and they're all really amazing. Um, I actually moved to this house kind of, uh, serendipitously, but I went to high school with one of my roommates and I was in Santa Cruz when I was traveling and he, I said, I'll see you in Denver. I'm moving to Denver. And he said, that's so great. We have a huge house. It's super amazing. You should move in. Okay, that's great. Then I don't have to look for a place in Denver. And then I was in Fort Collins painting a bunch of murals and then felt like really reluctant to put my feet down because I'd been traveling for seven months and the idea of spending a bunch of money on rent in Denver was really intimidating and then I also just had been living on farms and being very, like, a lot more ethereal. And I really wanted to live on a farm. I still do want to live on a farm more than living in a city. But came down here. Jason showed me around the house. And the moment I walked in here, I just felt like, yes. I was like, yes. <laughs> I just had to come because uh, it's a beautiful house. I have a studio in the back. Um, we have, we're sitting in the music room right now. We have like a sewing area, a guest bedroom, uh, got musicians and creatives in the house. And so, and, uh, Jason is a creative who runs his own business that's successful. And so I get to bounce a lot of ideas off of him. As far as like financial things and like business goes, I can be like, um, is this crazy if I do this? He says, no, it's not. Ask for more money. <laughs> so it's nice to have a group of people that I trust around me. And also on top of it, like being in your 30s and like living in a group house, a lot of people think that that sounds like not very fun. But it's pretty much like living with all of your best friends who are also very responsible and you guys take care of each other. So it's like living in a community. <laughs> that functions because <laughs> I lived in a lot of group houses that didn't function in my early twenties. <laughs> I think I'll, I imagine a lot of people can relate to that. I know that I can yeah. for a period of time in, in my twenties living in, in and around New York city and having all sorts of experiences back yeah. then. Yeah. Um, I want to actually go back to something you, you mentioned now a couple of times and that was uh, learning some things about business. So you went to school to become an artist. Yeah. Or an art educator. Right. But you felt that there was something lacking as far as your business endeavors and how to bill and how do you find new clients and things like that. How has that transpired for you? What 
what avenues have you taken to learn? Is the trial by fire? Well, I will say that I'm no expert. I still have a lot of, like, learning to do. However, yeah, it is definitely, it's it's a lot of learning as you go. For example, I early on didn't have um, contracts in place for, say, murals I was painting. Like, this one time I painted, I basically prepped this whole wall and this whole patio area that I was going to paint. And then the owner just liked it white. He Because I primed it. I made it look 100% better than it did. And I primed it. And I was getting ready to paint it. And he was like, no, just leave it like that. And I got very angry. And that time I regretted that I didn't have some sort of like legal document behind me to say, no, I'm still going to do it. You said this. And therefore we're going to go forward. And or he would pay me half of whatever we already agreed upon because he pulled out of his end of the deal. So, and like a contract is just one part of it. Another part is not undervaluing your work. That is super huge for a lot of artists. And I still even do it a lot um, because a lot of times we're told, oh, we do this. We love this. Therefore, like we shouldn't charge that much because I love doing it. But that's a disservice to not only yourself, but to the industry. And I say that a lot to upcoming creatives and people who are just getting their start. Because something that art consistently, not just visual art, but all types of art, gets poo-pooed and shoved under the rug because it gets undervalued. And because somebody is always willing to do it for less. And... The thing is, if we all brought each other up to the same standard of expecting to be paid the same amount, then we'd all make more money. There's so many things out there of like, you know, unpaid internships and or like do this for exposure or like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, exposure does not feed your cat, you know, exposure does not pay your rent. And that and it's an exchange of energy. Like, I'm going to do something, and the exchange of energy is money, you know? That or a tangible trade that benefits me, you know? And a lot of times when I... So a lot of times people don't necessarily have the ability to pay for something up front, which is totally fine. You can offer, like, pay as you go. So you pay a certain amount, like, per month. And or I love doing with businesses when I paint murals, like, trade for whatever their services and then half of that be cash because they might not be very cash forward and so that way it benefits you and them you know say I'm like working painting a restaurant I get you know $500 of my mural fee is at that restaurant so I get to eat there and bring my friends there and I don't go I can't really afford to go out to eat very much because I'm an independent artist and um And then I still get some cash, you know, to, like, pay my actual bills. And then other other business things to be savvy about. I mean, just, I I could go on and on forever. But, yeah, a lot of things are learned as you go. And they're constantly, there's definitely constant evolving. And um, it's kind of an adaptation to, like, the different situation, too, if that makes any sense. (laughs) Something there's a couple of things. Something that you and I had talked a little bit about. I know you just came back from a bit of a road trip yourself, mm-hmm. having had some rather large projects. Yeah, uh, which is incredibly exciting. Yeah, and you, you said you know, and people can hear you're coughing. <laughs> you 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 came home and you got sick and you kind of fell into 
a bit of a creative wall. Yeah. And you'd said that, that that's something you kind of see for yourself. So when you when you're going through the highs and lows, because I think anyone in business, anyone any entrepreneur will have highs and lows. What are some of the, the reserves that you put into play? How do you recognize it, number one? And then number two, what are some of the things that you do to help bring yourself back into that space to keep you moving forward? I'd say the best, the best thing that I've done in the time that I've done art full-time and just in general is forgive yourself. <laughs> and I think that that is something I struggle with a lot is, you know, just being being forgiving of, you know, it taking maybe longer than you want. Say if it's like a physical, like, illness and or it's a creative block or whatever, um, be very gentle with yourself because especially when it comes to creativity, it doesn't, it doesn't like to be pushed. And so sometimes just like, I mean, I have a lot of free time when I'm in between projects and then things really will start to like go really fast. And so in those in between times when I do have kind of like lulls or like times when I'm not expected to produce as much, I just really do as much as I can that I enjoy that also sparks like creativity. It just means like self-care that's like running, yoga, eating good food. I always, something I'm super huge proponent of, which I mean, this is just health 101. It's like getting eight hours of sleep. I get eight hours of sleep no matter what. Like, I don't care what's happening. I'm getting eight hours of sleep. Like, that is just my bare minimum. If I go to bed at 3 a.m., that means I wake up eight hours from there. If I go to bed at 9, I wake up eight hours from there. So if I'm going to have a late night working in the studio, I know that I can't schedule anything early the next day. So I usually don't try to schedule anything before 10 a.m. because I'm a creative night owl, so I tend to like be more creative at night. Um, and yeah, self-care being also just going really slow, you know, maybe that means not doing the thing that you're trying to do. Like, you know, I draw and then paint as my like form of income. So that means maybe I do something else creative like dance or I do something that doesn't make me any money or I don't share on social media or that doesn't get seen by anybody else like you know writing or writing music or just painting something that doesn't go anywhere that's like experimenting and fun and that in those like liminal spaces is where a lot gets freed up and it feels so much more free so then ideas can start going and then you feel a lot less trapped in that like um you know creative bog <laughs> yeah I want to jump on that word trapped because it was a word that you also used again earlier when we, we were kind of getting ready for this conversation and you know you said you spent some time up in Fort Collins mm -hmm. building and you know, helping to be a part of the ecosystem up there and you're watching other artists move forward and yeah. you yourself were feeling like you were sort of standing still. Yeah. And just recently you said that you had picked up a, a journal that you'd written just a few years ago. Yeah. Setting some intentions and now looking reflectively, what have you learned from the journal writing and the time that you spent building others and where are you now? Um, wow. I, so I definitely have learned a lot about putting 
not in a selfish way, but putting yourself first and then so much more positive things will follow around that versus when you're constantly putting other people ahead of you, you're, you're always operating out of a deficit. And I think that also it gets seen as like very selfish, which at times I do feel very selfish, just like I make my own art and then I'm constantly like thinking about my art and it's kind of, it becomes a cycle. But as far as, um, yeah, the, my journal, I think that anything that anybody wants to do, anything that you want to do, whether it be art or goals and intentions in your life, it's um, putting it out there, really writing it down, saying it to other people, because then it holds it accountable. Like, you know, when I was traveling, I said, I'm going to just, I'm going to do art full time when I get back. And people kept being like, but what, what job are you like? What are you going to do? And I'm like, art. I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to be a full-time artist. And then when I run into people and they're like, what do you do? I say, I'm an artist. And they're like, what What else do you do? I'm like, that's what I do. That's my full-time thing. They're like, whoa. I'm like, I'm not rich. It's not crazy. <laughs> but it's just, it just every month, you know, every day, it keeps, it keeps going. And there's another opportunity or something else comes up that tells me that I should keep doing it. And... Also, I put a lot of, yeah, I do put a lot of, I put a lot of intention out there for sure. I mean, I changed all of my passwords to make more money. <laughs> right, we all know how to break into your stuff now. <laughs> you don't know the combos of what are the, um, you know, letters to number ratio on that though. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but I, and it's funny because I agree with you on, on that in particular, I, I will not be sharing my my <laughs> passwords publicly. However, I I chose something that was very important to me in this year, mm-hmm. and and that was my my standard password. And it actually recently transitioned to something else that is now my next big thing. Nice, because the first thing came true. Nice, you know. Yay! So I think yeah, I agree with you. Setting that intention. Uh, I also want to jump on intuition. You, you, you said when you the first time you walked into your current living situation, there was something that felt good. Yeah. How has intuition played a role in your, in your business endeavors and your creative efforts? Um, man, I would say it's so, so much of, like, I'm a feeler for sure. I'm the way that I, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm pretty grounded and rational but I'm also just like it'll just feel right (laughs) which it does and I I feel that way about living where I am you know 90% of why I feel so good in Denver is that I have a really amazing setup I'm not really stressed about my rent I have a studio space which is something that was really important to me I mean I wrote intention so most most mornings I start by meditating and then I'll stretch and then I'll do some morning pages and then I'll write out intentions depending on the day. Sometimes I'll write them out for a year and if I'm feeling really lofty that day or I'll just write out intentions for the week or even the month. And the way I write my intentions out is I just say, I have already done the thing. I have made $100,000 in 2019. That's like 
I and I always make them really big, like, and I also I repeat my intentions a lot to myself, like when I'm feeling when I'm feeling maybe that I'm not gonna fulfill something that I need, like when I feel stressed about money, which I probably feel stressed about money more than I should because I actually do pretty well. Um, I mean, I get to eat good food. I have a roof over my head. Like, I have enough spending money to go, you know, buy tchotchkes if I want them and, like, new paintbrushes. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I would say intention comes into um, also with projects a lot, too. Like, if things don't feel like they're you know, going smoothly or if there feels like there's some like energy blockage within a situation, if it just doesn't feel right, then it's not right. And it's not worth going through, you know, maybe an interaction you have with someone feels like weird, then, uh, you know, I just, I just don't go with it. And I set a lot of, yeah, I set a lot of intentions ahead of time, hoping that those will go forward and they usually do. I think it's interesting because I, when I, when you and I met, I was there, you know, in getting ready for an event that <laughs> scared the daylights out of me. And perhaps one day I'll talk more about that publicly. However, <laughs> I, I did go out to that event and I didn't hurl. So I feel like that was a success. Yeah. However, in the moments that, that you and I were talking, getting ready for that event, I, my stomach was in knots and I was definitely not feeling like I was in a, you know, centric, right? And I walked up to you, and here we are just having this very relaxed conversation. And I, it, you kind of put me at ease, and I felt it almost immediately. And, and I don't know, within two minutes, I was like, will you be on my, <laughs> will you be on my show? And here we are. Um, so I, I kind of agree with you on kind of letting things evolve. Yeah. As they evolve. Yeah. And... Yeah, And I have a, so this was an interesting thing that came up today and I'm going to share it with the, with the, the audience. Um, this happens to be one of my most favorite authors, Jen Sincero, um, who wrote the book, You Are a Badass. And this is her quote, surrendering is the part when you hand the job over to the universe. And I think that's a little bit what we're yeah. summarizing right now. Yeah. Is that, yes, we set intentions. Yes, we have a momentum of where we want to go. And the moment that we realize that maybe the path that we're taking, there's a blockage, or maybe we just sort of let it be, all things, all of a sudden things start to show up in the way that they're meant to. Yeah. And giving yourself space and time to acknowledge that as well. Yeah. Yeah, and trusting. Trusting yourself and trusting. I've been saying, I wrote that really big on my wall. Um Right before I got sick on Sunday, I painted the wall of my studio and I wrote really big. Before it said, dream bigger. I have these really big pieces of white paper. I said, dream bigger. And I took that down when I was cleaning and rearranging my studio. And then I wrote, trust yourself. And then I wanted to write, trust the universe underneath it. But I'm struggling more with the trust yourself part because I feel like I do trust the universe a lot. And there's times in which I don't, I trust the universe, but then I'm not necessarily like, trusting myself in the universe (laughs) why do you say that I think because yeah it's it's a challenging thing like I think that I'm fairly good at it but as far as where I'm at creatively 
I have a, you know, a certain way of doing things. And especially I was painting this wall and I was doing it very abstract. And um, that's not how I work normally. And it feels really uncomfortable. Like, it feels uncomfortable to do things you don't normally do. And and I, I think just trusting yourself that, like, it'll work out, you know? Like, just keep doing and it'll work out. Like, I feel like that's something I learn a lot in art is we, um, we think that there's like some sort of like special equation that makes you a better like artist or, you know, musician or these other things. But sometimes just trusting and doing, just doing the work is 95% of it. Because in those times, you're allowing for, by doing the work, you're allowing for there to be more things accomplished and in the more things that are accomplished, there's going to be more insight and more, you know, bubbles of, you know, prolific ideas or something that's very original or very, you know, kind of groundbreaking to you. Um, cause I, I personally like don't always feel like everything I do is very original, but that is totally coming from me being in my brain all the time. <laughs> like people see my stuff and they're like, whoa, so great. I get this from it and I feel these things and it means this to me. Cool. I just, I just made it. <laughs> I'm glad that you get something out of it because sometimes it just feels like I'm just like, you know, doodling in circles or something. Yeah. Trusting myself is something that I've been like in an all in all ways, you know, not just in the, like, visual realm. It's like, you know, trust yourself that, like, you've got it together. Like, you're doing a good job. Like, that you're, you know, a really awesome, high-functioning person. <laughs> like, that people enjoy being around. Like, trust what you already have, basically. Don't always be yearning for more, which is something that... After I came back from Thailand, we, um, we as a culture just look so frantic and discombobulated and so frazzle sizzle stressed out like I was living on an island Kolanta, for like a couple weeks like doing yoga when I woke up on the beach and then like going for a swim and then like painting all day and like I never thought I could get into that vibe because I'm very kind of like go, 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 do, 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 like, accomplish a lot of stuff, use all your time very wisely, which is a very, like, Western, if not very more specifically American. <laughs> like, we are crazy people about our time, and we're so frantic, and we get so wrapped up in it, and it's like, you don't even take the time to chill or have a good, like, moment. And also, in being stressed out and trying to do all those things all the time, it's like, what are you actually ever accomplishing? you're so stressed out and frazzled you don't ever give way or time for times of silence where where great ideas come from and where joy comes from you know like man just leave just leave the country just go to any other country like any other country in the world and you will immediately look back at the united states and be like whoa <laughs> Like, uh, it's, it's pretty insane, which is why I love traveling. Cause it's always that like, kind of like slap in the face, you know, slow down, just take a, take a moment. You don't have to get it done today or even tomorrow. <laughs> because if, it, if it's intended to be, it will. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. I want to take kind of a, a left turn here for a moment because it's something that we haven't really touched upon, but self-doubt, when you sort of touched upon it with being able to trust yourself, when you hit those moments that you're, you're going down your path, maybe you've had a really great project and cut back and you're a little bit, now you're just sort of in that wall. But when that doubt and fear and scarcity mindset come into play, what are some of the things that you do draw upon? Um, honestly, I feel like... Uh... I draw upon my community for sure. Um, there's, there's something really great about just having a solid group of people that you can just voice that opinion to, or if you're feeling like, because sometimes it can, you know, set in real deep and it can be very uh, paralyzing. But I, I something that I've learned from various, you know, art books and you know, other artists is when you don't, you know, maybe you don't want to make work. Maybe you're in a, a funk or whatever, like you're feeling cruddy, just make stuff, like just make something. And I feel like I say that all the time, but it is something that will always bring you back out of it. Cause just like anything, you're going to start doing it and then you're going to get into the flow. Eventually you're going to get into the, the, you know, into something that works. And maybe that means you spend days just making nothing that works. That's just crap. But it's not crap because it's kind of the foundation for whatever's coming next. And it's really important building blocks to just create things that are, yeah, stale or ugly or, you know, just feel forced. Like, maybe that means I just, like, paint sometimes when I feel really stuck I'll just paint a bunch of things at once I'll start a bunch of stuff and I'll kind of maybe work on a drawing and then I'll be sketching and then I'll have a couple other things I'm painting at the same time I'm kind of like working through them feeling how I feel through all of them and maybe in that I start like glomming onto one of the ideas or one of the things that I'm doing more or maybe you know like seven of my canvases in my studio right now that I've like only done 20% of maybe they'll always stay like that that's totally fine because they served a purpose at the time and I can always paint over it and um and then also too like do things that bring you joy like that aren't related to your art like I love going to the library and I always find a lot of inspiration I feel very like comforted by libraries they're very like important to me and um just you know riding my bike to the library and then checking out a bunch of books (laughs) is like something uh I feel really grateful that we have a great public library system here in Denver and just in general libraries are just such a wonderful like institution that there's all that knowledge that's you know and I'm not I can't barely read on like a screen You know, I'm not one of those people who can, like, just, like, read an article online and be like, oh, I'm so inspired. Like, I just, there's something about tactile things that are inspiring to me. Um, Yeah, and that, and, like, I just like being outside, too. So it's really hard to ever, like, go on a hike or even go on a walk outside and then not come back and be, like, refreshed, you know? Because sometimes when you're forcing things too hard... 
I definitely feel like that if I've been in front of my computer for a long time, and then we're always in front of our computers because we always have our stupid smartphones. Like, that can be super, like, spiral draining, and then you'll be like, you know, I'll go a whole day and be like, oh, I haven't done, A, I haven't done anything, and B, I really haven't done anything that I would have liked to have done creatively, and so it's just like, okay, go outside, go on a run, walk around, even just, if you're feeling really resistant to anything, just, like, just do the bare minimum, be like, I'm gonna walk outside, and then walk back inside, (laughs) like, Sometimes I feel like just babying yourself, like, as if you're, like, a little kid, like, helps so much. You're just like, okay, all you have to do is just walk to the next house and then come back. And then, of course, you're going to walk to the next house and feel dumb and be like, well, I'm going to obviously keep walking. (laughs) Something that really kind of summarizes it for me in this last statement is just being present. Yeah. You know, and you said babies, and, and I, you know, I have a young son, and I think people can relate to this. You know, as a child, you find joy in so much because, number one, it's all new. Yeah. But you're present. Yeah. They're not, you're not, the child's not thinking about the next thing and the thing after that. And, oh my gosh, how do I pay the bills? Oh, I have mortgage to do. Or, I have to go to the grocery store. Whatever those things that we do, we've sort of ingrained in ourselves as adults. But to take those moments and just be present in the space <laughs> is just, I think that is such a value. Yeah. To that. Definitely. I mean, I meditate regularly and that helps I mean it if I meditate one day and I don't meditate another day I'll be like wow I'm so irritated or it's just like everything is just not working today and I'm like oh yeah you didn't meditate and I'm just so much more understanding and present and like right exactly where I need to be if I've spent that 15 minutes in the morning and um it it's just helps so much to be present, to, like, constantly bringing that back to, like, yes, you do have bills to pay. Yes, there is a lot of things going on. Um, but really what we have right now is right now. We can control right this moment. <laughs> and the things that are coming, um, we don't have control over. The things that already happened, we don't have control over. And so, yeah. And that's that's an ongoing, you know, lesson for everybody. <laughs> Well, we are at time, and I wanted to say, first of all, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Yeah. I really enjoyed this conversation. I want to, as final thoughts, how can people learn about your current work? Yeah. And where can they see some of your current work? Yeah. And learn more about you. So I have a website. It's www.com. Zimmerlindy.com, Z-I-M-M-E-R-L-I-N-D-E-E.com. That's my website. It has my murals and installations I've done and things like that. I also have Instagram. It's at Lindy Zimmer. Um, same spelling. I painted a huge mural on Larimer and Broadway called Lady Larimer. It's big three stories. It'll get covered up by a building next year, so you better hurry and go see it. <laughs> Yeah, and that's uh, what's happening currently. And then, yeah, I post a lot of stuff on Instagram and on my stories. It's kind of like my my vlog. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And for for those that live out of state, because you just, this is heard across the country. Across the country, yes. nationally. <laughs> um, best thing for them to do is go check out your website. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. I have a store on there, too, where I sell some of my little um, drawings and... You'll see if you go there. 
awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I loved it. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Lee. To learn more about Lee, the podcast and coaching services, please join us on our Leap Facebook page at facebook.com slash what's your leap.